all great change in America begins at the dinner table. Ronald Reagan spoke those words in his farewell address to our nation uh, as he was leaving the presidency from the Oval Office on January the 11th, 1989. And over the course of the past few weeks, of course, we've been talking together about politics and how we as believers should approach that subject. It's not been my goal, as I've said many times, to tell you what to think or what party or politician or even platforms or policies to support, to vote for, but rather the important work of how we should think about politics as Christians. And a few weeks back, we talked about such things as the importance that Christians should and should not give to the political arena. See, because if, if Ronald Reagan was right, and I tend to think that he was, then so much of the sound and fury that attends our elections, particularly our presidential ones, so much of the sound and fury there entails efforts which, even if my side, whatever that may be, is successful, those things will likely do far less to change or even to preserve this nation than the efforts we make at the family and community and even the personal level. That's a bit of a rebuke to me, and it may be to you as well. At least that's what I think, because I'm Byron Harvey, and I'm just thinking. Well, welcome to I'm Just Thinking, the podcast where I invite you to ask Jesus into your head, and particularly in this season one, to think Christianly about the subject of political involvement. Now, today is what I'd call a wrap-up episode. We're going to tie some things together, summarize where we've been. But before we do, I want to consider some things the Bible says about our identity as believers. And I think this is important because when we think about politics, we are focusing mostly on what takes place in our country of residence, assumedly the United States, for at least most of my listeners, I'd love to have people from around the world listening. Wow, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Things like who's going to be elected to office here in our country, what laws will be passed in these United States of America, how will issues that affect life here be impacted, Will this particular proposal pass constitutional muster or not? And so on. But the question for us right now is this. What is true of our citizenship as believers? When we think of the word citizenship, what do we think of? What should we think of? And I want to suggest that the truest and the most meaningful sense of that word is this. Ultimately, we are citizens of heaven, if we're followers of Jesus Christ. 
Listen to some of these scriptural truths. Philippians 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews, in what we call chapter 13 and verse 14, put it this way. Here, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 said, So no longer then, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. First identity, not American, not whatever country, citizens with the saints, and you're of God's household. Here's what Peter said in chapter 1, verse 4. He talked about to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, our ultimate home. And John, uh, in chapter 14, verse 2, records Jesus saying, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Our citizenship ultimately and most importantly as followers of Jesus is in heaven. And we're constantly reminded in these passages and others of the reality that earth is not our final destination, nor should its affairs, its politics, be our ultimate priority and concern. And everything we see around us, hopefully except what we here on Sunday mornings in our time in the Word, etc. Everything that happens around us screams to us that what's happening here, the next election, what happened in Congress, the latest political goings-on and the like, that those things are the ultimate and final reality. That's unspoken, maybe, yes, but it's clearly implied. And so often, we can fall into the temptation to believe those lies and to act like those things are true. Two episodes back, and if you haven't listened to those episodes, I would really encourage you to do so. We had part A and part B, part one and part two, of how to connect with other people, how to deal with other people with whom we may disagree politically. And we addressed the question two episodes back more directly, but this bears repeating. Do we set our political involvement squarely in the context of eternity. I'm afraid many times we don't. Because Christian, you and I are living temporary earthly lives in preparation for our eternal citizenship. And when we lose that critical perspective we will think and act and speak and text and tweet and post in ways that harm our testimony for Jesus. And so first and foremost, when I think about my citizenship, I have to understand and remember as a Christian, my citizenship is ultimately in heaven. Beyond this, secondly, we are citizens of this Earth, we share this place with nearly 8 billion people at this point. 
Now, in Genesis chapter 1, the creation mandate uh, given to Adam, to Eve, and to their uh, offspring to have dominion over and to manage the earth and its resources. As a Christian, I come to the New Testament and I understand more clearly even yet that I have a responsibility to people who live in other nations. I do. The first and foremost responsibility that I have as a Christian is the responsibility of the gospel, of doing what I can in my way to, to ensure that more and more people who share this earth with me hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. That's my responsibility. It's yours as well. If we slough that off on missionaries, we miss what the Bible is really teaching. It's our role, all of us. We live on this planet together, and in our interconnected world, it's harder than ever to silo ourselves just into our own concerns, because what happens in other countries does have an effect on our lives here in the U.S., or I guess wherever you're listening from. I fear that sometimes we take some pretty narrow and sometimes some sub-Christian positions when it comes to this question. Yeah, we say things like, well, you know what? We've got to take care of people in this country before we concern ourselves with the rest of the world. Really? How far do you want to take that? The not-so-subtle insinuation that comes across to me seems to be that the rest of the world can go to hell until we get everything straightened out here. Do we find biblical warrant for such a position? I understand it's popular. Understand it's the thing a lot of Americans would say and believe, but do we find biblical warrant for the idea that the artificial human boundaries that we call borders should constitute the limits of our concern? You see, Jesus rebukes the narrow understanding of the Jews with regard to who qualifies as one's neighbor. He does so in telling the story of a hated Samaritan. You know, it's kind of, I've said this several times before. If we did a word association game and someone said the word Samaritan, What's the first word you'd think of? You'd think of good, the good Samaritan, because that's the story Jesus told. That's the last thing that anybody listening to Jesus would have thought if they heard the word Samaritan. He tells the story of a hated foreigner who acts with love and compassion toward a poor wretch on the roadside near death. And he does so irrespective of national rivalries or political positions or divisions. And while I suppose it may be fair to say that we don't, indeed we can't, have a lot of stake in the political machinations of every other country in the world, it's nevertheless the case that I cannot avert my eyes or shut my heart off toward those who are fellow citizens of this planet simply because they do not happen to share the incredibly good fortune that we do of being citizens of the United States of America. Our ultimate citizenship is in heaven as Christians. 
we are also citizens of this global community as well. And of course, we are citizens of a country. And some of the different writers of scripture have things to say about what we ought to do as citizens. We've seen some of these already, but here's a sampling. Solomon wrote, Ecclesiastes 8.2, Keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Jeremiah, writing to a people in exile, wrote, the, wrote this. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. That's Jeremiah chapter 29. Paul in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 said, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Our responsibility to the ruling authorities. And Peter pretty much echoed that in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he said, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. All of these things speak to the fact that we are situated citizens in a particular nation. We're under its laws, its government, its leaders. But further, of course, here in the United States, we're citizens of other smaller entities. Personally, I'm a citizen of Georgia. I live in the Atlanta metro area. I'm a citizen of Cobb County, and within Cobb County, uh, I'm part of certain legislative districts. I don't remember their numbers, <laughs> but but uh, the state legislature, I have a particular area of Cobb County uh, in, in, in which I, uh, the representatives from which I, I vote upon as I'm, as I'm able to do that. All of these scriptural truths remind us of our citizenship, temporary though it may be, in a particular geographical setting with particular government's laws and the like. And while it's true that our ultimate citizenship is in heaven, the entire premise of this podcast has been that there are ways we can and should, as Christians, behave with regard to our citizenship here on earth and here indeed in our country. But let me say this. I am the best citizen of my country as a Christian when I realize that my country is not my primary citizenship. Ultimately, as a Christian citizen, I trust a sovereign God who controls the affairs of men, whether or not I see or understand or like how he deigns to do it. And ultimately, 
this is a good word before we wrap things up in a few moments. God's in control. Regardless of who is elected. Regardless of whatever societal trends concern us, and there are some that are quite concerned. Regardless of what foreign powers may threaten us, God, Christian, is in control. And that fact and that truth and that reality ought to condition the way we behave when it comes to this thing we call politics. And because that's true, let's briefly review where we've been these 11 episodes, and then we're going to be done with season one. I'll have some concluding remarks. We began by talking about some of the reasons this type of teaching is so critical. Churches have been slow to instruct believers in how to interact politically. And again, I, as I said when I made the point, it didn't occur to me back when I was pastoring and preaching every Sunday and had a church that God privileged me to, to be called the pastor of. It didn't even occur to me that this was so important. But boy, in the last 10 or 15 years, it's become, it seems to me that with the changes in our political landscape and the advent of social media and the like, it's just utterly critical now that churches tackle this thing. And uh, if, if the upshot of this podcast is that a pastor or three hears this and says, I've got, I've got to, I've got to do something in, in my local congregation to help my people think Christianly about their role as citizens, I'll be quite happy. And if I've helped you to think in those ways, that's that's great. And 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 we see evidence all the time of the need for this kind of teaching, beginning sadly with some of the people who stand in our pulpits and offering often filtering down to people in the pews whose engagement in politics often looks almost indistinguishable from that of people who make no claim to being Christians. If we're serious followers of Jesus, it has to impact the way we go about, we, the way we go about thinking about and doing our politics. We moved on from there to talk about the goal of the Christian when it comes to politics. And while there might be certain sub-goals, the ultimate aim for the Christian in politics is the same as it is in any other arena of life, the glory of God. If I forget that the glory of God is priority one in my life, when it comes to politics, I'll make a mess of things. When we lose sight of the ultimate goal, we behave in ways that can bring reproach to the gospel. And we follow on the heels of this truth in the next session by considering our model for political involvement. It's a similar question, but it's different enough to point this out. Jesus is our model, and this is critical because we said there's been this idea that when it comes to politics, well, you can't really expect the ethics of Jesus to apply. You know, politics is a rough-and-tumble game, and so we have to adopt the rules of that game in order to play it effectively, even if some of those rules run counter to the ethic of Jesus. And I said it a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again. If the ethics of Jesus do not work 
with regard to our politics, they just don't work. Period. We talked about the value of the believer in politics and the priorities that the follower of Jesus uh, ought to uh, exemplify. We need to be salt and light. And we talked about several ways we can be salt and light. One, by submitting to the governing authorities, by having the proper respect for them, no matter what party they are from. But having respect and submitting, honoring them. We, we'll talk about that in just a moment again. We talked about the importance of upholding truth. We try to be salt and light. That is so critical. I fear a lot of Christians have not placed the priority on seeking truth, on believing truth, and on speaking truth that we should. We said as well, as we're trying to be salt and light, we should speak with, a, with biblical authority. The Word of God gives us some clear truth that apply when it comes to politics. We should speak with the authority of the Word of God. And then we said we should vote our conscience. Yeah, that's how we're salt and light as well. Vote our conscience. We talked about the importance of voting, about how people have given their very lifeblood so that we might have freedoms, including the freedom to make choices when it comes to our government leaders. Voting is very important. I said I urge you to do that every time you can vote knowledgeably. And I said, secondly, on the heels of that, that the value of your individual vote isn't that great. I know that sounds like you didn't listen to that episode. You need to go back. That's episode four. It sounds like a contradiction. It's not. It is not a contradiction. Voting is critically important, and your one solitary vote won't make that much difference, particularly as opposed to some other ways you can be involved in ways that touch on politics. If you don't like hearing that, it doesn't make sense to you, and you haven't listened to episode four, go back and listen to that one, okay? Hope you listened to all of them, of course. Episode five may have been my favorite, or at least one of the most needed episodes. We talked about being suitably affected by politics, by allowing political things to occupy the right proportion of your brain space as a Christian. Go back and listen to that one if you haven't, because I fear too many of us allow politics to occupy way too important a space in our heads. We talked then about the responsibilities of government toward its citizens, and conversely, what we as Christian citizens owe our government. We talked about the importance of honor. We talked about the importance of obedience. We talked about the importance of prayer. For episode seven and eight, we looked at how we should approach the subject of voting. And and I really appreciate the formulation of my friend, Pastor Peter Hubbard, when it came to considering what should govern our voting choices. And his, uh, his formula, if you will, uh, explained why well-meaning Christians sometimes reach different conclusion, conclusions when it comes to voting choices. I really love these episodes as well. Then in the previous two episodes, we looked at how we need to approach people with whom we differ politically. 
you haven't listened to these two, here's a hint. How we understand ourselves as positioned in eternity, not merely in the temporary arrangement of living this life on earth, and how we understand and see other people as created in the image of God, possessing souls that will live on after this life on earth ends. How we do those two things will make a massive difference in the ways we interact with people with whom we disagree. And finally today, we spoke briefly about the fact that our citizenship ultimately is in heaven. Our sovereign God is, has always been, and always will be in control, regardless of who sits in the Oval Office, what laws are passed or repealed, what the Supreme Court decides, or even what freedoms we may lose. God is always in control, and on the basis of Scripture, that, friends, is what I'm just thinking. This final word. This concludes season one that I entitled Not in Polite Company, but it doesn't end the podcast. I'm going to take some time off. I've got some other projects on the table, including the consideration of, no promises, no guarantees here, of a second and different podcast. <laughs> but I'm just thinking is going to return at some undetermined point in the not all that distant future. Until then, my absolute sincerest thanks for your taking the time to listen, to consider, hopefully to be challenged. My thanks for sharing this with friends, for spreading the word, for liking and reviewing and whatever those things are that you can do, and for your support. Thank you for that. I would very, very much love to hear your feedback. I'm sincere about that. My email address is really easy. Byron Harvey, the hardest thing is spelling Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, Byron Harvey at gmail.com. And I would really welcome your feedback. In fact, if you'd listened, if you've listened to these episodes and be willing to help me out by answering several specific questions to help me make the podcast better in the future, send me a quick email. And maybe you'll just say just the title, I'd be happy to help Byron. And I will shoot you three or four questions to help me improve for next time. And speaking of next time, I'm Byron Harvey. And I'm just thinking.